0: it's like they're unstoppable yeah i have me too what's their mystique nothing stops these people Stop. Stop. welcome to mission unstoppable with coach frankie picasso you're about to meet some of the most amazing people they've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how.
1: Well, hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable, and I definitely have an unstoppable guest here with me today, somebody you are going to want to meet. And listen to, because she's extraordinary. You are going to meet a fascinating lady. She's a unique blend of masculine and feminine energy. She spent much of her career in a male-dominated world. She joined the military after 9-11, and later she pursued espionage and terrorism suspects as a civilian. She's a radio host. She's the CEO of Superpower Experts, where she spends her days convincing people that superpowers are real and recruiting other powerful mutants. I love that. She's the <laughs> author of WAR, W-A-R, Watch, Assess, React, The Ultimate Guide to Personal Power and Safety. And her name is Tonya Don Reckler. Welcome again.
2: <laughs> oh, hello, hello, Frankie. Thank you so much for
1: having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. It's, you know, such a treat to have you here. Your um, um, your book is amazing. It really oh, is. And you. I love what you're doing with you know, superpower experts. And I'm going to get to that, but you know, I do like to take everybody on a journey back to the beginning. Cause I, I, do want my, my listeners to know how did you become unstoppable and how they can come become unstoppable too, or at least believe they can. Um, right now they're mutants in training maybe,
3: or maybe they are unstoppable. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you you started off life uh you were born in Kansas, you moved to Arizona as a toddler, and I wanted to know you know if you had thought about what what life might be like had you grown up in Kansas and not gone to Arizona would you have been a special agent?
2: Oh my goodness, well, you know it's so hard to tell but i, I As I look back on my life in retrospect, I can absolutely see how all the pieces fit together. So I'd imagine if you took out one of those pieces or altered it, that the entire picture would change. So, um, you know, we went back and forth to Kansas a lot when I was a child. uh, We had extended family there. And I remember on one trip we drove through Liberal, Kansas. And if you've never been there, it's very small. They've got Dorothy's house and the largest ball of twine. And uh, I remember my dad sharing with us that, you know, when we moved to Tucson, he had a job offer in Liberal or Mm -hmm. Tucson, Arizona. And it was a big move for my folks to leave um, because no one had left yet. And so, um, you know, and I I remember very clearly kind of looking around going, wow, like, what would it have been like growing up here instead of in Tucson? And I mean, Tucson Mm -hmm. was a Booming metropolis comparatively, right? So, yeah. Um, so, I, I would probably imagine no. I, I doubt that my life would have taken that trajectory. Uh, I'm sure it would have been interesting nonetheless. <laughs> I drove
1: through Kansas once and once. You know, I just remember, <laughs> yeah, once. I just remember, like, you know, big skies, big open skies. Um, but I always wondered, like, why are people living here when they know a tornado is going to come and wreck it all for them? <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's just inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially if you live in a trailer. Like, don't live in a trailer. In Kingsley,
1: oh, I know it, it's like it
2: attracts them. them. I don't know. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> exactly, it's like there's a, a lightning oh, rod on top. Going,
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So were they farmers? You you know the family or what was somewhere? Some yeah, somewhere. Uh, I still have an aunt and uncle who farm, and then my grandparents. So that that I have very very fond memories of the farm as a kid and then my grandfather was really um just brilliant and creative and so he turned the farm into a quail farm and so he found a niche like the ultimate like entrepreneur you know back in the day and um had all kinds of species of quail and it, it was just I mean it was just amazing so many so many amazing memories
1: yeah I I grew up on a farm too we had a farm like yeah I didn't grow up on it but we stayed there a lot, and I loved it. Just love, love that whole life. Um,
2: well, and what's so, funny you, is that our first, my husband and I, our first entrepreneurial venture was Recla Ranch. Oh, uh, last yeah. yeah, being Recla, and we raised chickens and rabbits. And um, again, the entrepreneurial blood. Um, I we sold over, I think, four thousand birds. Wow. Because um, my husband told me, Justin said that I told him I wanted chickens and we had a little uh, eighth of an acre, you know, little house, you know, kind of concept. And, and, and when I told him I wanted chickens, he's like, that's great, but you have to figure out how to sell them. And I was like, all right, challenge accepted. Wow. <laughs> so I found a niche market and then we moved on to nine acres and developed the ranch and everything. So <laughs> that's cool. That's <laughs> very silly. Nah, you know, it's kind of fun though.
1: You yeah. know, challenges are fun. Right, I mean, Ugh, for me, people like us, they're a lot of fun. For other people, you know, they don't like them so much. But um, did you have any siblings?
2: Yep, yep. I have a younger brother, my baby brother, and an older sister. My baby brother is an officer in the navy, and my sister lives in Canada. Um, and both are amazing human beings. Where does she live? I'm sure I don't um, know her. Just south of Edmonton. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, people that always would be Canada weird. is so small,
1: right? Because <laughs> uh, I'm I, I'm in Canada right here. You know, just outside of Toronto. And they go, do you know? Uh, no, I no. don't. Oh, funny. Yeah, yes. it is kind of funny, actually. Um, I went to join the army once. Oh, I'm wow. A lot, younger, a lot older than you. I was a lot younger. I'm a lot older than you. But yeah, and they, and well, first I went to join the air force and I said if I join the air force will you let me fly and they said no and I'm like okay so (laughs) then why
2: would I do that (laughs) yeah
1: exactly and then I I went to the navy I go if I join the navy will you let me fly you know and and they're like no and I'm like okay so I I start to walk out and the guy from the army he 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 runs out and he goes hey how come you didn't come in here and I'm like who the hell wants to join the army
2: (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah. Well, then I that's, it's, it's if you here. have
1: horses, maybe I'll be, you know, Mountie or something. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of funny, but you did, you know, you went, you, you got the call like after nine 11, you got, uh, you know, something yeah. propelled you to go and go, no, they're not going to do this to us.
2: It's so bizarre because when I was in college, my bachelor's degree was intercultural communication. And my master's degree was in the field of critical race theory. And a very liberal, very, very I mean, I, we picketed the Republican debates, like very, like really anti-government, military, everything. And I, I don't know, I think I think a series of events occurred, or I, I'm not even really sure, I can't say consciously what, what occurred there, but um, something happened at 9-11. And at the time, you know, you laugh about the difference between the Air Force and the Army, and I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but here, um, the Army is one of the easiest places to get a specific job if you enlist. And so that was the thing. I had a master's degree and I was 27 and I went to the recruiter and they're like, well, you need to be an officer. And I was like, of course. But the challenge with that was that you weren't guaranteed a job. Mm -hmm. So you could get, be guaranteed your officer rank, but you weren't guaranteed what position or what, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. type of specialty you would do. And so I enlisted and then they thought I was nuts and told me I couldn't do it, but I did it anyway. And so, um, but, but I wanted counterintelligence and that mm. was the only job I would accept. And, and that's, that's what I did. I, I, it still kind of baffles me. I'm not, it, none of it really makes any sense, but it worked out pretty well. Well, you know, if you're going to do it, I think that's where I would like to go. Cause it, that's mm. pretty exciting. It
1: was exciting. I mean, it so, and, and actually I was in Louisville at the time I, I went to apply for all those jobs with the oh, military, okay. but, um, so tell, tell me, you know, counterintelligence, like what about it really intrigued you? And what about, like, I mean, did you think, was it the same as, you know, what you see on TV? <laughs> was it, or was it just like long hours of waiting and watching um, and
2: waiting and watching? And- well, what's so funny about that question is that, you know, my, my army crew is very short because I got medically discharged. I got um, pretty seriously injured. And so I was only in um, active duty for about a year and four months, and then they medically discharged. It would have been a little bit shorter, but I was very stubborn, and I resisted, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to get discharged, and I had orders to Germany, and I wanted to go to Germany. Like I had all this drama, wow. but, um, but in the course of that, an agency had kind of caught wind of me and, and then recruited me out of that, and so as if I had stayed enlisted, I, it, it would have looked nothing like what it did on TV and in the movies. Um, but because I, you know, events turned and I was recruited by this agency, I was able to do, um, like my husband tells people, I got to do all the sexy stuff cause he, he's in the field. He was in the field also. Okay. Um, is that where you met? Yeah. Well, we met teaching at the counterintelligence special agent course, oh, okay. um, when we taught, we, we taught new agents. And so, um. You know, so I did get to do surveillance, and I did get to do, um, you know, the investigative aspects of espionage. And what appealed to me about espionage, or the counterintel arena, was the mind game. I Mm -hmm. really have always been fascinated with human behavior, and espionage is just a really unique arena. Um, It's a difficult crime to convict for. And so there's a lot of mind games that go into it. It's kind of a big chess game. Um, And that really appealed to me, puzzling all of that.
1: Do you think that, um, and I'm going to say this, you know, loosely, or maybe not so much, but as a woman, you know, we, I think we tend to have a, um, use our, use our intuition a lot more than men do. So as, as a female in counterintelligence, I would assume that intuition played a a large part in what you did. And, and it's funny because you can't always prove it um, to other people, the, you know, the engineer types in the room, but I wonder if, if that, helped
2: far more than i realized at the time mm-hmm. um in fact i always kind of felt like a fish out of water one because it was, it was a very hyper masculine virus so not only was i in the intel arena but i was also embedded in the military within the intel arena and so um you know it was like double dose of just hyper patriarchy you know mm-hmm. masculine energy kind of the the eat your own mentality um counter intel is a tough field. any any field that we're stuff is classified, yeah. I think is a tough feel because it's like you can't, the only, the only way people found out what you did is if you screwed up. Yeah. Um, and so you got all these, you know, alpha type personalities kind of in the midst of this. And, and the only people you can really talk to about what you do are people who are doing the same thing. So it's not a big deal. Right, so you don't get the accolades, you don't really get the. the Oh
1: my god, are you ever
2: amazing? (laughs) Yeah, because you you can't tell anybody, you know, so it creates this really interesting mix of energy. And
1: um, what did you tell
2: people you did? <laughs> I, the story changed every time.
1: Okay, uh, I want to. So. I want to go back to that. We got thirty <laughs> seconds before a
2: commercial. It's kind of interesting. Give me one before we go to break. Well, well, we were we were at a bar one time and we were on mission and um, some guys had come up and were talking to us and and so at that time it was a sex therapist. I was okay. watching um, one of the one of the um, cable TV shows. I can't remember the name of it now had a whole sex therapist kind of ideology. And so I just kind of replayed an episode from that as I was explaining That's to him hilarious. what I had done.
1: <laughs> We're going to go to a break. Tonya Don Ratcliffe, she is crazy check. Okay, don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Stop listening.
0: Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's Day
4: Halloween is almost here, and the scarecrows, or tatty-dooleys as the Scottish call them, are out. But Halloween is all about trick-or-treating, and that means candy. The average American eats 24 pounds of candy a year, and most of that consumption occurs around Halloween. What do you call a person who loves to eat? A grand gozier. Popular costumes for this year are happy face and wink face emojis. Of course, since it's a presidential election year, there are various costume choices for those who wish to dress up as Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton or Republican candidate Donald Trump. If you ask me, the only thing scarier than Halloween this year is the presidential election. What's another word for the fear of Halloween? Samhainophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary
3: with my free app, Too Funny for
0: Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: In this day and age, eating at home has become more difficult. Harvard Medical School offers tips for healthy eating away from home to keep you on track with your healthy, low-calorie eating. When ordering at a restaurant, ask how the food is prepared, as this will help you make appropriate choices. Look for less by choosing lean meats and lower-calorie choices. Practice portion control, and if the portion is too big, don't be afraid to ask for a doggy bag instead of eating it all. Order an extra side of vegetables and fill up on those first. Do your research before you go to the restaurant. Most menus and nutritional information are online, and you can check before you go. They say that by following these simple tips, you can make your dining experience as healthy as it is enjoyable. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond.
1: I am your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Tonya Reckla. And before we went to break, she was telling us that her alter ego personality, one of them, was a sex therapist because, you know, when you're a super spy, you can't tell people who you really are. (laughs) So, like, you're the only chick in the game and, you know, you're hanging out in a bar. Um, Were you hanging out with the other guys or by yourself? I was. Actually, actually, that
2: that mission, we actually had a couple other females on the team, which was very rare, very rare. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, sex therapist! And, and did they believe you? Oh my gosh! Oh my. Well, one of the, one of the other females on the team jumped in the middle, and she she said she'd been one of my clients. And so he's like, "Well, what did you do for her?" And we had this guy going like, uh, "We said that you know she her her husband wasn't satisfied with their sex life, and so he was wanting her to dress up in these outfits." And we, I mean, we got going with it, and by the time we were done, he's like. Well, where would somebody like find someone like you if they wanted help in that area? I'm like, oh, the Yellow Pages. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good place for it. <laughs> like, yeah. Weird. You look up, I'm like, oh, psychologist. It's a. You look up psychology, and then under psychology, there'll be sex therapy. I was like, oh my gosh, Tonya, shut up, this poor guy. Yeah, yeah. he was already he was salivating it,
1: at the end of it all
2: for sure. He was very <laughs> tempted. <laughs> Were you single then? I was. It was very challenging to be in a relationship in that field yeah um, I would imagine yeah a lot of divorce in that in that arena yeah
1: uh what was the I, I know that you know we talk about no fear and you talk- you re, you talk a lot about it in your book, um actually, in war, but you know I mean everybody has a healthy amount of fear because it keeps you alive i think um what what was the scariest thing you ever did? can you say?
2: Um, Yeah, I I felt like I was really, really terrible um, at surveillance, especially like in the car. I I didn't mind it so much. I felt a little more protected on the ground. um, It was terrible. And I remember I just my mind doesn't work that way. Like you were asking before about the intuition and stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. And my
2: mind just doesn't work in details. Like it works very abstractly and conceptually. And so it, it was um, the detail piece of it really escaped me. And so you know, getting on the ground on a mission um, when you hadn't seen the target, you you, you had a description, a pictures, but it's, it's nothing this, like like seeing the person sure in real life. And, and we had a target one time that that was a pretty bad character, and I will never forget going face to face with him. And and that was never the goal, of surveillance. But but I just. You know, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this guy, and he kind of makes contact with me and smiles, like you know, he's trying to pick me up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm looking at him, and I, I'm like, wait a second, like six foot something, gray sweater, shit. It's the <laughs> dude. It's that the guy him right there. And I'm like, I mean, it was in my heart start stop. Like it, was, it was just, it was, it terrified me. You know, and I so mean, what they, did they you do? Like, did you play along? Till oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I had to. Like, I don't think. It, I, i'm hoping it wasn't as awkward as i felt like it was yeah um but if you'd ask me it was like you know I, I lost all like ability to like be professional um and and, and he probably thought he was it. just so
1: hunky that you just went yeah you gaga like over. gaga over him yeah, which
2: is great. <laughs> but again in surveillance like the key is to to not be detected so sure. I, that that's an error in and of itself but it was um but they, I mean, my team, I mean, they'd have to kick me out of the car. And they, and they did one time. I was super resistant to and that and, and I ended up testifying in federal court because of it. And I'm like, come on. Um, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, no, wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. I don't want to be here. Wow. Um, but they couldn't keep women in surveillance. It's just a tough, excruciating schedule. And so I agreed to do it um, part time, you know, in addition to investigations. Yeah. But I, I never felt comfortable in it.
1: Well, you know, I've seen pictures of you with, with long blonde hair, red hair, you know, all different kinds of, you know, looks and, and, and you now, is that from your days of espionage? Did you have to, you know, change your look all the time? Or are you just like me and just love change?
2: Um, some of it came from that because you know, we did have to be able to change. In fact, I got LASIKs and stuff because the my wearing glasses was a challenge and um and contacts were too difficult in, in, in what we were doing. And so I did end up getting LASIKs so that there wouldn't be any kind of signature element to me. Um, but I've always, I mean, I'm like six foot tall. Like there's just, oh, are like, you? I don't, I don't, blend. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, it's, wow. like, it, yeah. It's people just, are
1: going to remember a chick that tall.
2: Well, and I re- but I remember the, the, um, attorney coming up, um, uh, to me, like I said, at federal court and he's like, you know, I never would have peened you for surveillance. And I was like, well, isn't that kind of the point, you know, but, yeah. but not yeah. because I blended just because I don't look the part. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I guess well, I guess I had that going for me. I don't know. I don't. I never felt like I fit it. Like I, I feel like I was like the worst surveillance person like ever in the world. But I got to do some pretty amazing things. So, well, it worked. yeah,
1: I guess that worked. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Oh, you, um, okay, we're gonna get into some nitty gritty here. You're a total badass. You know, like you can whoop somebody and throw them across the room. You're six feet tall, Uh, but you mentioned in your book that twice you were raped. Now I'm wondering if these were the traditional. I get the feeling that this might have been somebody that you knew and you just let it happen. You didn't want Mm it to, but you did but yeah, you did times. Yeah, so they, it's not that traditional where you think you know somebody grabbed you and, and, and took you yeah. off somewhere but they're still both the same thing and it, it's doing something that you really didn't want to do um but you did mm-hmm. and you figured out years later why yeah
2: well and and that and that's the challenge right is that is yeah. you know in the beginning i was 16 i was a virgin and it was someone i was i wasn't necessarily dating him but i did know him he was a friend of mine if you will yeah. um and, and I'll, I'll tell you in that situation, I, I didn't feel raped until everybody told me that that's what had happened. And I didn't get that. Then, well, did they tell you, you know? that
1: you're raped rape because, because, you know, you should still be a virgin or something? Or did they tell you that oh, because no. they felt that no, you that had because really. because of the
2: circumstances. Okay. Like, like, again, I just have a bizarre mind. And so my mind is very investigative. It's very like gathering information stuff. Mm-hmm. So. And I didn't know anything about the energy body and all this other stuff. So, of course, now I can look back and realize, like, I pretty much just vacated my body and then watched everything unfold. But I didn't know that then, you know, at 16. And so. Yeah. So a lot of women do that, actually. (laughs) They do. Well, we work with a ton of people um, that that's a very natural part of trauma. And trauma can be anything from somebody looking at you funny and then you internalize it and fragment out and you, you leave your body because it's an uncomfortable situation. So trauma takes all kinds of different kind of roles in our existence. But, um, but in that situation, the details, I mean, certainly qualify as rape. It, It just wasn't necessarily a violent rape. And part of that was my own, you know, vacating the situation energetically. Um, but it wasn't, but I didn't internalize it as that. What, it was more just confounding to me because I do have such a kind of curious nature to myself. It right. was like, well, what, why would I do that? Like, what was that about? And and it wasn't until I confronted him and said, you know, what was that about? Because I was still kind of like, what happened there? Like I said, mm-hmm. no, like all these things. And I remember distinctly, you know, being held down, but not, you know, I didn't have a black eye. I didn't get cut or anything right. like that. Right. Um, and Were you honestly, ever afraid while he was doing it? Oh, yeah, very afraid, but not again, not necessarily like more afraid of worsening the situation. And I think there was a whole collective story around, you know, don't make it worse. Yeah. You know, you don't want to anger somebody in that situation because they may kill you. And so that's where a lot of that came from, I think. And I don't know where I picked up that story, but um, that makes sense. um, Yeah. And it was like survive, you know, survive at all costs. And so that that was the tact that I that I took. But it wasn't until I confronted him and, and said, you know, what was that about, da 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 da, da that he kind of looked at me and I said, but you know that that was rape. Like, I was a virgin. Like, I was just try- trying to get and kind I said, of an no. understanding. And he said, yeah, well, that's what guys do. And, oh. and I never felt really raped until that moment.
1: Wow. That's what And it was do. just
2: such a disregard for, like, like, I didn't even feel like my innocence. Would, I felt nothing until that moment. It was just like, oh. And it just felt so disregarded. Like it just yeah. felt like, of course, like you are powerless, but to accept your role in existence as the recipient of this behavior. And so I was like, oh,
1: I think it's an important point you're making, though, because, you know, a lot of kids in high school, men, you know, boys in high school, whatever, um, they they that is their goal. Their only goal is to not to, you know, not be a virgin when they graduate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and at all costs, find find a willing vagina
2: and if you can't find a willing one get one that you know right is it gonna say no we have such a screwed up sense of how to raise kids and communication and everything we're still regardless of how far we've come we still teach girls that it's not okay to want it and we still teach teach boys that your job is to pursue it and so it's like well of course we have some screwed up communication right like and i can you know and i can see how it all unfolded and and to his credit it was like that's the message he got you know so it's like you know, blah, 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 all that, all that garbledygook. And, you know, so so I'm at least trying to do my part and um, encouraging people to be a bit more honest in their communication, especially with themselves. Um, because one of the things I hadn't done is I didn't really know what my comfortable boundaries were. I, w- I was just so curious and, like, again, investigative. Like, it was all a big sure. research project to be like, oh, why would he do that? And what's this thing? But then about? years then, later, you know, when you had all the military years training years and, you, later, and you knew that
1: you could, you know, whip his ass
2: and i would have told you that i had done all kinds of therapy all kind, that i was cured yeah. right like I had, yeah. I had worked through everything um and and like you know like you were leading up to it and it happened again and it, we were on a mission and it was a team member um and i would just remember thinking very clearly to, clearly to myself it was like i was that 16 year old girl again mm. and i mean i was armed i got <laughs> this was yeah. ridiculous you know, yeah. but it but it was, uh, you know, all I could play out in my head. And, and when I was younger, it was, you know, th- there was all these other people that I didn't want to implicate in the process. Right. So I did not want my parents to have to deal with it. I didn't want my younger brother to have to deal with like all these things. And the same thing came up years later. But it was the mission. You know, I, they would they would have stopped the mission because you can't obviously have that going on on a team. Right. And, and you um, would have been blamed. Oh, well, I, I don't know that that's the case, but I think I it, there was some you of might that have been story. Bled. Because women are always uh, well, blamed.
1: You know yeah. that, that He couldn't help himself. You were too beautiful. You are this or that or whatever the case is, right? <laughs> no, truly. Wiles. Yeah, you're feminine wiles because women are, you know, that the gender, you know, talking about the gender differences. Um, again, you know, we all know that women are sluts if they have sex and men are heroes kind of thing. So, you know, it's still that way. It's still that way. We're going to go to a commercial break. If you, differ in opinion let us know that's fine i love a differing opinion (laughs) i'm all for it so you can actually it's 903 uh what's the number here 787 no what's the number lisa 787 yeah 5887 i was almost right there 903 787 5887 you can call us if you want uh if you think you know differently but it's okay we're gonna come back with more tonya don don't go anywhere
0: Don't stop. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Don't stop. It's never heard.
4: We have a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Bien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter-pooches. To me, the ultimate love-lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: What do nuts, fish, spinach, dairy, and bananas have in common? For one thing, they contain high amounts of potassium and can cut your risk for a stroke by as much as 21%. A stroke is a disruption in your brain's blood supply that happens when there's blockage in a blood vessel or a blood vessel bursts. Potassium is an electrolyte and is involved in muscle and nerve control and blood pressure regulation. It's needed for maintaining the body's fluid balance. Studies have suggested that diets high in potassium help maintain a healthy blood pressure and possibly protect against stroke and heart disease. But remember, regular daily exercise is your most excellent defense against stroke. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com.
1: And we are back with my guest, Tonya. She's awesome. Isn't she great? Okay. So, (laughs) I mean, how many people, you know, people... Actually, talk about a hurricane. It looks like there's going to be one here. <laughs> I'm just looking out my window and my trees are going <laughs> crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get, we got through figuring out that, you know, a rape happened the second time. And this time, like, you know, I guess like women who are abused in a way in, in marriage, you, you kind of don't want to talk about it or think about it. Did you talk about it
2: to your sister or anybody Um, no, not really. I, I, I'm, I'm very introspective. And so for me, it was more just kind of figuring out why, like, like really not being able to deny that something happened and that I wasn't as cured as maybe I thought I was, um, and really getting to, okay, what, what was this about for me? Um, and it, and it's kind of like, okay, I didn't get the message the first time. So let's, let's do this again. And I needed to see though the juxtaposition of those two times. I could ex, I could kind of excuse it at 16, but sure. not at 32 and not as an agent. And so then I was forced, you know, like like I write about in the book, to really look at the cognitive aspects of power. and that was a piece that I had missed yeah. um, and put it all together from that place. So it really was an amazing gift that I was given um, to, to to dive into some aspects of myself and the collective stories that we have about victimization and, and just really choosing to opt out of all of that, um, and empower myself in a different way.
1: And what about him? Did you have a conversation with him?
2: No, No. I didn't. I I really saw him for the pawn that he was honestly in that regard. And I, and I, I, you know, I can't say that I did in the immediately, but, but as quickly as possible was able to see that, that he really had given me a gift. And um, you know, of course, he has to deal with whatever karma. I mean, he was married and all these other things. Oh, so okay. that's his, you know, that's his burden. Because because a lot of people came back after me, So "Why don't you go after him?" I was like, "Trust me when I say that that he's having to atone for that. I don't need to take part in that." What yeah. I was able to do was was really being gratitude for just the role that he played in my existence, so that I could look at some of these things. Um, you know, that's that's what we do. That's for a each really other. great, yeah, and that's a really great
1: you know, perspective to have on, on things that happen to us. And, you know, if you're into the metaphysical as I am, and so metaphysically, you look at that and go, well, maybe I asked for that before I came here. Maybe that was a lesson I wanted to learn. Um, You know, I was being too hard headed and, you know, not getting it. And so they set you up again to get the lesson. Mm-hmm. And, well, I and look there at you it. go.
2: Yeah, I look at it more like it's like, like, I, I have this vision of all of us prior to incarnating, kind of sitting around this round table and like divvying up all of the social ills that we agree to transmute here. Yeah. And so it's like I took rape. I took rape and women's issues and some some other fun things and, um, and other people took on other burdens. And it's like our job is to either we can feed the collective stories that have held us entrapped by those or we can each do our part to transmute those energies and create something different. And, and that's just what I chose in that moment. I, I didn't after the first one. You know, I, I thought sure. I did. I thought I was empowered, and if you had asked anybody, I was very powerful, very confident, but it mm-hmm. wasn't an intrinsic strength. um you know, I didn't realize all the ways that I was raping myself on a daily basis, like not not inserting myself into my existence um and, and that's very common
1: and you talk in in your book about you know the power of no, so you learn to say no, no,
2: mm.
1: no. I did as a yeah. whole
2: sentence <laughs> yeah, no. no.
1: Uh, uh, no, I, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't want that. No, it's going to be this way. Thank yeah. you so much.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, but just little things like, no, yeah. oh, I don't want to go see the movie. I'd rather sit on my couch and read a book and insisting that you, you know, de- uh, insisting of yourself that you develop friendships that allow you the freedom to do that. Right. And relationships that support you in that. And if you but, say, you know, I just don't feel like going to a movie today, mm-hmm. that should be okay. Yeah. And,
1: but, you know, I think it comes down to values. You know what do you mm-hmm. value and for for me like my, my top five values number one is freedom mm. so you know if you know your values and, and possibly that's what you figured out is that freedom you know or is your is your number one value too and you need to be free to say no without you know without yeah. anybody um hurting you back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No is no yeah. it's fine. I just don't want to do it. And you know what I'm for me I'm really easygoing and Everything is, okay, I don't care. I don't care until I care. And then when I care, I'll tell you what, how it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. And so people might say, well, they can walk over you. No, you're not walking over me because I don't care. When I care, that's what I'm going to do,
2: me. Well, yeah. I think you're talking about the difference between the persona that we play versus the core essence of who we are. And when, it, when, it finally, when I finally got that the essence of who I, who I am and its purity and its, its divinity and its, and its um, you know, infiniteness, is, is, doesn't care about, you know, what I'm going to eat today or what I'm going to do stuff. Like we have to kind of traverse through that, I think, and, and, and have an opinion and really give ourselves permission to say, maybe I don't want to eat chocolate ice cream anymore or whatever the case may be. Um, but then Until on the do. other side <laughs> of that is the knowingness that, that the pure essence of who we are wants and needs for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, in that regard, ultimately, we don't really care. You know, that's the persona that we play that cares, and we have different personas that we play. Mm-hmm. And so there's 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 a distinction, but it it really depends on where you're at in the personal power journey. And I would I would contend that everybody is seeking their own sovereignty and autonomy. Um, that I think freedom is something that drives everybody, um, whether or not they acknowledge it, um, and it looks different um, at different stages well there are you know maybe i don't know i i think there
1: are some individuals male and female who like to be told what to do uh they don't like to make a decision but that's their persona that's their persona yeah um so would you consider yourself a
2: feminist or
1: a humanist oh i don't
2: probably neither i mean i don't know that i would i would lay claim to either of those labels i i'm a I'm <laughs> not uh, individualist, if you will, if nothing. Yeah, well I'm like- looking
1: I'm thinking about your book and your book was, you know, geared mm-hmm. to women and telling women that they have power mm-hmm. and that, you know, but there are men too who don't have power. Um and I'm thinking in you know, you were you fought for your country and we have, you know, a misogynist on, on as a president. I wonder, you know, does that bother you? Do you ever think about that? aspect of Uh, him. I
2: I get asked that all the time. I don't see it that way. Um, I see that as a collective, we're not done with that archetype. When we're done with that archetype, nobody will need to play it anymore. We've asked him to play a role so -hmm. we can either point fingers and blame him for taking on the role that we've asked him to play, or we can look at what does that serve in our collective and how do we transmute it so that we no longer need somebody to play that role.
1: And that is a very enlightened way to look at it. I don't know if, the, if everybody's there yet, but I like it, you <laughs> know, and it, it's interesting because um, Byron Katie said something very similar, you know, like she, people were all in a, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. You know, chicken little, right. She goes, yeah, but is the sky really falling? Like, can you hundred percent really say mm-hmm. that it is? And right. they're like, no. Okay. Well then why are you going there? Until well, it does, not only that, don't go there.
2: We, we asked for change. Yeah. Like it, I was really shocked at how many thought leaders, New age, like enlightened individuals who kind of tout themselves as being these spiritual leaders, um, gave into that fear story, and and it it was baffling to me until I kind of saw what was happening. And it, it was, but but ultimately we asked for change. We don't we don't get to control for change. Like right. change is change, and it's chaotic, and it's messy, and it's gross. And it's like we just get to swim around in it for a minute until we integrate what needs to be integrated. To me, it actually shows the insecurity and the fear of individuals who want to kind of blame and point fingers more than it says anything about him. In fact, you know, I I, on on a very, very, very high level, I honor the fact that he agreed to play that role. It's Mm -hmm. showing us the dark underbelly of all of us Yeah, and we can ignore it and we can make it about him or we can take ownership and say, um, this is ours. Like collectively individually, this is ours. And if it's triggering you, if what I'm saying right now is triggering you, you can take it as an opportunity to look at yourself or, or you can keep pointing fingers, but pointing fingers and laying blame just forces us to live more of the same.
1: Yeah. Well, you're right. Change happens best in chaos. And it's a lot easier to accept when everything is it's true. When things are chaotic and, you know, you're in a crisis and, and everything comes back, like all the particles fall in a different way. The, it, you know, the last time I asked for something to change in my life, um, I got whacked with a tree trunk, really. and <laughs> Literally. And, and, yeah, <laughs> really. And And I'm like, okay. I really want things to change in my life now, but please, please don't make yeah. it go the same way. I don't want to go the same way as I went last time. I well, And they don't have group.
2: to, they don't yeah. have to. We're just all addicted to that story. Yeah. And it's like, and until we're ready to release that, we'll, we'll keep acting it out. Like it really is. This life is very simple. Like it's very symbolic and it's very easy. It's just, we're addicted to the tumultuousness. We're addicted to our dramas. It makes us feel alive. It. it we're miserable, but we're comfortable in our misery. And so what's ironic is is that the chaos and everything else, it's just everybody's living out their own personal hell. We just like to pretend that it's a, it's a collective experience. But it's like, really? Because like, if you just take a second and step back and elevate, what's really wrong? Like, what's really happened? You know, we in our superpower net, it's our membership base for people who really want to play in these more abstract levels. Mm -hmm. And during the election and after the election, I challenged people to take a stance without trying to take someone else's power, you know. And so it's like, well, he's a bully. He's a this. I said, okay, And he's also a father and he's also a son. and He's also a husband and somebody loves him. So Mm -hmm. how is it possible that he's just this singularity when none of us are? We're all very multifaceted. So to say he's a misogynist is, is really only forcing that projection to continue. I, for one, am not interested in, in living in that projection. So I, I'm very quick to look at what I'm denying within myself because I just don't want to play that game anymore.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. It, you know, if you like what Tonya has to say, go to her website. At superpower experts and look, look her up, look at you know what her group is is all about. She has a community there. Um, let's talk about that community for a moment. You, you, oh, we're going to go to a break in a minute. Okay. Well, let me preface it with this: Then you say that personal power can only take you so far. When you really want to change the world, you need superpower. And <laughs> so you and your husband, I think, came up with superpower experts, and it's an amazing. You know, you got a great show, and it's an amazing concept, and you talk about, you know, these mutants that you're searching for, and it, it's very cute and cool. But really, you know, every single one of us, you say, has a superpower, and I believe that. I think that we do. Not always recognize, not always, you know, self actualized, but it's there if, you know, you care to start looking for it. Um, and when I come back from our break, let's talk about the different kinds of superpowers. You know, because people think, well, I, I don't do this and I don't do that. But let's talk about what could be a superpower and what different people are presenting and, and what you believe them to be, because I think that's kind of cool. We're going to go to a commercial break. You are listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and my guest today is Tonya Don Rekla.
0: That's right, don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop.
5: Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on TogiNet.com. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge.
4: It's Merging Network. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymous and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break, and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too
3: Funny for Word.
1: We are back. You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. And Tonya Dawn Reckless is with me today. And when we went to break, we were going to talk about the kinds of superpower that we have. And so what in your experience, or when you came up with the concept of superpowers, what were you thinking? And what has been your reality?
2: Well, I don't know if I get a lot of credit for coming up with the concept. It, you know, it, I do operate in some pretty metaphysical spaces, and it, it was pretty clearly driven. the The collaborative community, all of this stuff, was was a very clear message that I resisted for a while, and then the superpower concept came up, and I was I was in resistance early on with it. Um, but what's unfolded from it is pretty remarkable. We delineate between predisposed or yeah predisposed superpowers versus unique superpowers, and so mm-hmm. the predisposed superpowers would be um, like all the, the cool flashy stuff. So like the psychic ability, talking to dead people, clear senses, mind reading, empathy, chameleon ability. And we're pretty good at assessing those. We do an assessment and we can, we can talk with people about, you know, what they're predisposed to. And it helps provide clarity because all of those things start off as really big challenges in our existence, every single one of them. And when you can neutralize the challenge, then you can start using them as the gift that they are. Um, but those are really low level. Those are just abilities. And so while a lot of people like to say, well, I'm not psychic or I don't have healing ability, we all have all of them. We're just predisposed to certain ones. And so we encourage people work with what you're predisposed to first and then start taking on the ones that you're not predisposed to. It's, it's a little bit easier journey. Um, but then we have the unique superpowers, which is that's what compels people to be like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing more. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that mission, that purpose. And really what that comes down to is like for me, it's like multidimensional mastery and and some others where it's like like I get how all of those predisposed superpowers, plus the packaging I chose this lifetime, how I look, how I speak, where I was born, the family, all of those things, my experiences all kind of tie nicely together in this really unique way that allow me to serve the world in, in a very specific way. Um, and, and we we refer to those as unique superpowers. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's really interesting, and and i wonder, I wonder how many people sell themselves short with their superpowers. Everybody. Yeah.
2: Everybody. I've been doing that show for over 18 months now, and even people that like have done amazing. I mean, I've some I've had some amazing, amazing guests on the show. And they all get kind of like little kid, like giddy about superpowers. Like, well, I don't know if I really have superpowers or I've never really asked myself. And, and I'm just like, whoa! Let, let me just illuminate this for you. And so one of my biggest gifts is really affirming for people their superpowers. Because I exist in that abstract frequency and I see everyone there, I, I know, like I, I see all of it. And so it's like, like, let me show you the element of you, the aspect of you that I see, that I connect with. And and it's just magic what happens when people feel that piece of themselves. A lot of times I, I, I get the beautiful gift of connecting people with themselves. And for some people, it's the very first time they've ever really felt themselves. Um, and so I have a pretty cool gig this lifetime. I, I paid the price in a couple of ways. But um, but where I sit now, my, my life is um, pretty magical.
1: Have you done your past life?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. A few of them yeah but it's but I don't but but once you start playing in those abstract frequencies past, present, and future, the time lapse kind of goes away, and there's there's no separation between any of that. There's no separation between you and me, you or me i am you like the the synergy in that abstract frequency space, time and space just kind of go away, and so it's not it's not linear like we like to think, like our minds are really limited in our ability to comprehend
1: yeah um. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Hold on. <laughs> the um... okay, we're going to go here. You had some interesting people that you hung out with, you, uh, you taught in Mexico, you organized a Fortune 500 conference in Italy, and you served as an instructor for a worldwide entrepreneurship organization alongside Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Sharon Lecter, David Corbin, other influential people. What was that like for you?
2: Well, we still do that. My husband and I um, contribute in a lot of different ways, and one of our favorite is to that community you're speaking of, CEO space. Um, is one of the most um, is, is one of the forerunners, in my opinion in um, business cooperative theory, and is just creating huge, huge, huge ripples of change in the world. Um, and so that that's become our business family. We've raised our daughter there. She's seven and is one of the hosts of our podcast. She hosts Superpower Kids. Um, she's done five or six different businesses. Um, and she's writing a book right now that's getting sponsorship. Um. Anybody who wants to be a part of her best-selling book about young entrepreneurship. Um, she she's on a pretty magical journey. But but she's a lot of the reason why my husband and I do what we do. Um, and so so some of the people she's uh, connected with, some of the folks that we you know rub elbows with, if you will, um, is is because we committed to being of service in the world. And so we find organizations that allow us to do that freely and with open hearts. And um, the payback is ten 20-fold. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. So with the children, um, what is her show? Who, she so she's reaching out to other kids
2: about their superpowers? She interviews adults and kids. So she interviewed ah. um JP Sears, she interviewed mm-hmm. Kathy Lee Crosby, the original Wonder Woman. Um, she's interviewed um, you know, Liz Benny out of New Zealand who does Kapow. She's she, she's interviewed a lot of people, so she she just recently did her first kid interview. You would be amazed, and maybe you wouldn't be. It's very hard for her to find um, kid guests. Sure, um, and so some of it is is the parents not really um, wanting their kids to go there, but but there just aren't that many kids making huge waves. So if you're hearing this and you want to be a part, go to superpowerkids.com. She loves to interview, especially girls. She picked up really quickly. She goes, "Mom, most of my guests are either women." Or they're boys,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
2: women or men or boys. She goes, where are the girl entrepreneurs? Where are the girls that are doing this stuff? And I was like, yeah, she got to go find them, huh? You know, so she's... <laughs> and they're out so there. I know they're up. out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they're out there. she wants to connect with them. Um, a lot of it is people just don't get it. Like, they don't have a box to put her in. So uh-huh. the idea that she's seven hosting a podcast is just, like, unfathomable. Um, just like a, a legit podcast. And so um but it's real like you can go to our site and watch it she was our first show that we launched after launching the podcast we're in the process of launching four more so we're going to be hosting five different shows under this um, moniker and we'll have we'll have many many more i'd imagine Um, but that's part of the collaborative nature that we um, practice at superpower experts
1: yeah very cool i love that <laughs> you know you're never too never too young actually um yeah yesterday i i was I just heard about a conference going to be happening um, for kids to to um, talk about innovative thinking and and you know the kinds of thinking that that you're talking about and and it's going to be held i think in november or something i'm going to be talking to that lady very shortly that's very cool yeah, yeah, maybe connect so
2: connector neva's got like yeah, five I speaking will. engagements between now and the end of the year one's in front of a, 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 a an audience about 2500 people she's doing a keynote. Um, wow. So it's like she's yeah her she blew up here over the last few months and um her 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 lights just so bright but she does the work. People ask us all the time like how, how does this happen? I'm like she does the work. Like like she she works harder at this growth stuff than just about anybody and she manages her triggers and she Um, walks to talk and she asks for assistance in moving things and asks for different perspectives and is willing to kind of associate with those higher frequencies, she does the work. Uh, So there's no silver spoon in this girl's mouth. Like we didn't, that wasn't the world she grew up in, but she willingly faces her demons on a regular basis. Wow. Like what, what would be her demon? Oh my gosh. She, she is so powerful. And as you can imagine with, with that kind of power, the flip side of that coin is some pretty dark like energy. tight gripping, not, not dark, just strong. The ego is strong. And, um, and that's going to be where her magic is going to lie in, in harnessing both of those and, and managing them. And so she, she has to manage all that. And it's, um, uh, it's just amazing to watch, but she'll go in and go, we have a room called the vortex and she'll go sit and grab some crystals and sit down and kind of be, or she'll come to me and say, mom, help me move this stuff. You know, like, she's gotten to the place where she's like, it's just too uncomfortable to stay in the throes of ego or anything of a low frequency. And she's willing to do the work to um, alleviate some of that and to transmute it. Um, It's pretty remarkable. Kids are amazing. Yeah.
1: Kids are amazing. And they're very close, you know, to, to the metaphysical and like they're open to it. They're open to Mm -hmm. uh, the energies and they feel it. They haven't, you know, gotten um, numb yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and usually like they're very open at the very beginning and and early ages and you know we're the ones that that kind of say no no that's not real. you don't hear that you don't Mm -hmm. see that you don't uh it's not it's not there and yet you know these children are coming in being born now with you know and even even you know with the higher incidence of like even autism and and being on a spectrum that is you know to me all about um just being really open and and not being able to handle it yet really that's what i believe anyway
2: yep and um, that, that's a big motivating factor for us is to not shut her down and to not yep. program her in the in in shutting that down. so
1: well, we got another two minutes I think left in the show about that. What is it that you want people to know?
2: I just I think it would be magical if if, if people would just trust. The, the highest element of who they are we're, we all know it we, we are all hearing it we're ta- we're trying to talk to ourselves from that space it's just the fear that gets in the way of that and and the programs and everything else but it's all rooted in fear and, and actually it's all rooted in fear of survival mm-hmm. and so take a moment each day just to connect with that space because it feeds us ultimately we're all desperately seeking connection with ourselves with each other with source divine whatever you want to call it the universe god whatever floats your boat but that just take a moment each day to connect into that space because you are that you do exist there and the petty kind of insecurities and everything else that comes up in life like those are just stories and 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 we get to create our stories and if you're going to create them anyway create a good one you know yeah that's fun like like there's no need to stay stuck in that when you cl- lay claim to it. And and don't be afraid of taking responsibility for the fact that you are creating your life. Mm-hmm. Own that and then you can change it. You know, don't yeah. resist that power. You know, people um, always
1: say, how do I change my life? I go, change your thought. That's it. It's just a change of thought. Yeah.
2: There's, there's a lot of minds running amok. <laughs>
1: Uh ww.superpowerexperts dot Tonya Don Rekla has been my guest today. You can check out her book, War. You can go to her website and look at her community. Maybe you want to join it. Maybe you want to talk about your superpowers. Who knows? <laughs> Tanya, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been Absolutely. a real pleasure having you on the show. And oh, to my listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Uh, I do love you. And we will be back on Thursday with Frankie Sents and More. If you listen to that show, if not, I'll be back next week with another Mission Unstoppable and an unstoppable guest. And I want to thank my producer, Lisa, today for doing such a great job. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: stop when the chips were down they didn't stop stories of people who when the odds were against them turned defeat into victory you've been listening to mission unstoppable with coach frankie picasso see you next time and always remember
2: welcome to the living room a cozy place of candid conversation